welcome to the Work Research Revolution. I'm your host, Cara DeLunger. In this podcast, I speak to doctors, scientists, professors, and business leaders who are at the leading edge of this work research revolution and radically changing the way we work. We will be harnessing their collective insight so that we can create the catalyst that drives much needed change in the future of work around the world. Work Reset Revolution is brought to you by Softer Success. Visit www.softersuccess.com to learn how you can revolutionize your well-being plan and help eradicate burnout in your organization. So let's get to today's episode. Welcome to the Work Reset Revolution. And I'm here today with Natalia Tsarkova, who's the founder of Tribo and a filmmaker. Natalia, welcome. It's so good to be here. Great to see you. So thank you for joining us today. And I'll kick off actually with the first question. And in your view, what are the biggest crises affecting modern workplaces? Well, you know, I think we all tend to have a fairly individual perception of global issues. So coming from an entrepreneurial perspective and also a full disclaimer, speaking as someone who has never actually held a job, I was always an entrepreneur and I never had a boss. So I had companies where I was the boss, but I never actually worked for someone. I think I have a somewhat an out of the box, an outlier vision of the modern workplace, but it could be of interest to your audience. My perception is that we live in a place of individualization of purpose. We're basically in a situation today, and COVID has accelerated it. We all talk about accelerating hybrid work, the disengagement because of working from home, the depression setting on. We talk about these issues. But I think if you take a more global perspective, what forms our mindset? What forms our perception of the world? To me, as a filmmaker and as a media person, it's stories that we're exposed to daily. And so it's not just COVID, it's the whole context of social media, of the media we're surrounded with, and also of the role models that we're exposed to because of social media that has created this sense, especially for the younger generations, that the only way to be, the only way to have purpose is what's in it for me. How am I going to grow? How am I going to transform? And the older generations, let's not forget Gen X, (laughs) even the boomers, are also kind of now catching up with this idea that life is about my purpose. It's not just about getting a salary. So what this has done is created a tremendous anxiety. Because let's face it, not all of us are entrepreneurs. And us entrepreneurs also have tremendous anxiety day to day. But this has created a sentiment that I am basically identifying my life and my work. Who I am is fully connected to my success in my professional sphere. If I become suddenly active on LinkedIn and I realize that this is the machine for promoting my career, I could become so caught up in the number of likes and the number of views of my posts. And this is creating a pretty unhealthy environment, I think, because there has to be a balance not between work life and home life. I'm not the one to talk about this because I myself am not aware of how to do it right. (laughs) There has to be a balance about being obsessed about your personal visibility and your personal success in life and contributing to the society, to a common purpose with others. And I think that this is where companies and workplaces really need to focus today is to understand that employees are not just coming in for the paycheck, they're coming in for their personal identity. 
Does working for this company make me a better or more important person? Will working for this company get me where I want to be in five to 10 years? How can we take that mindset, which is not going away, and transform it so being part of the company and the company purpose becomes aligned with what my purpose is? And this is coming back to storytelling and stories we're exposed to, what I believe the biggest challenge for the leaders of workplace should be. How do we tell stories internally that people working for us feel fulfilled and focused and identify their personal purpose with the group one. And feel that it's authentic, right, as well. So what you said there is so incredibly important because it is becoming all a bit individualistic and we want to get to this collaborative, more collective purpose where we're aligned, where, you know, as you say, the company purpose and missions are aligned with the individuals. And that's actually where we often see burnout arise when they're not aligned, you know, and there's maybe why that we also see this, you know, great resignation as people, there is that misalignment. And so in your view, do you think that the social media as we see it now will die out? I think it will, but I'd love to hear from you. You know, I would love to say yes, but I think it's going to evolve. I don't think it's going to die out entirely. And, you know, it may be replaced the way TikTok has shifted other platforms aside Things will continue evolving. Will the narcissism die out? Will the this desire to communicate into the open space where nobody has asked us a question, but we are posting and we're talking? I don't think it will. I think that we have sort of arrived at the saturation of social media. And if we go to the workplace social media, I think of only two social platforms as truly workplace focused. One is LinkedIn. And the other one is don't love Instagram, because I think a lot of the creator economy lives on Instagram, TikTok Mm -hmm. as well. But TikTok is the kind of new kid on the block and it's younger. So I think that to me, one of the bigger issues with LinkedIn, and while I hope it will evolve or it will actually leave space for more private communities, for more purpose-focused communities, is that I think that generalist platform by its own nature is not aligned with the interests of companies and organizations. A generalist open platform like LinkedIn, where I come in and I talk about myself, is self-promoting at once, but it also creates a certain habit of saying things that mean absolutely nothing. You know, how many posts do we have that start with hashtag honored, moved, gratitude, humbled? I got this award. I was invited here. I went to this. And when I see it now, I'm coming to a certain place of saturation Before I came to that kind of ironic perspective of this, I was beginning to feel a bit of an anxiety. Even though I'm fairly Mm -hmm. successful in my career and my workplace, only a few months ago, started really paying attention to LinkedIn. I said, wait a second, everybody seems to be getting awards and everybody seems to be humbled by getting this or this and this kudo. And only then did I learn that this is a big vanity industry that has emerged where people basically congratulate each other and they give the stamps to each other and the conferences at any subject, they don't even exist, but people get awards. And that is the irony of these big social networks, that they create this incredible noise. And I do believe they create anxiety. And Instagram or social platforms create anxiety at another level, which is, am I successful enough? Am I beautiful enough? Am I that girl enough? Am I invited to enough fun places? And this is for a creator economy and for entrepreneurs for building their brands 
is an incredible source of anxiety because nobody is good enough for these platforms. So for me, they probably will not die out, but they will evolve and they will emerge a set of complementary platforms, which is something I'm working on as well. But these platforms will be purpose-focused, subject-focused, brand-focused. Because, you know, in all honesty, when you are speaking, when are you more at ease? When you're posting something on Instagram or LinkedIn or when you're at a dinner with 20 people with whom you share something in common? What is a better context for you to speak, right? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I'm thinking about my own sort of use of of social media. Many years ago, I actually completely stopped social media because I found that it took too much headspace in terms of what am I going to post and then not being happy with that post. And I mean, it's quite time consuming. But in terms of an entrepreneur and a CEO and a business leader, you obviously do need it. But I've started to navigate LinkedIn in a different way, right, where I'm really sharing sort of what I notice and what is going on and something that may be helpful and beneficial for others. And this thought process of how can we start working together and collaborate more. And so I think that's leading me, Natalia, to my next question. And I'm very excited about this. So I know you're working on something. So tell us a little bit more about Tribo and how that could help tackle these these crises that we're seeing in workplaces. With pleasure. So I have arrived into the space of corporate communication almost by chance. I was coming from media and live music, uh, still a tech platform, but in media and live music. But what I saw is that the social habits and this individualization of purpose was becoming prevalent everywhere, you know? And so people were basically coming into a live event or a conference or a company. And there is this habit of using social platforms. There's a habit of sharing. There's a habit of posting. And I realized that what was missing for companies is a private space where the storytelling could be curated by the organizer, but still incorporate the individual social habits that we all have developed. So this type of storytelling, it has two sides to it. On the one hand, it's more top-down. So just now I hung up with, um, I was in a call with a client in Dubai and we were discussing, they very successfully onboarded my platform. And my platform basically is a very simple three-button communication platform that a company invites everybody to. And within those three buttons, you have all of the practical information and links to useful company-wide addresses, uh, presentations, information agenda. Then you have a social part that's resembling Instagram, but it's a lot smarter. And then you have the messaging. So we were just talking about it with this company who has successfully onboarded Tribal and we're seeing great engagement. We were talking about what is going to make it more meaningful. And it was all about storytelling. What they've done very brilliantly is they have this amazing CEO who is a coach himself. I mean, big, big time coach, a big time global CEO. So during Ramadan, when everybody was fasting, he decided towards the end of it to do a seven day full fast. And he was posting live videos from his kitchen talking about why he was doing this fast. And this company happens to be a wellness company. So he connected the purpose of the company and explained the benefits of fasting and wellness to his employees, while at the same time creating this incredible connection. He was vulnerable. He was in his kitchen. He was in his shorts. He was talking about something that's very, very human. And it was connected, of course, to the cultural context of Ramadan and 
people in his office fasting. So I just love that as an example of a storytelling that precisely combines those two things, the company purpose, the leader purpose, and the individual purpose of everybody who works in this company. So the beauty of tribal, when you have this sort of approach, you can very quickly do several things. As a leader, you can post photos and videos and you don't have to go through email, through complicated platforms and everybody gets it. Everybody can comment. Everybody can reply with their own video or photo and you could use hashtags to annotate the content so that the next time you want to click on a CEO message hashtag, you will see all of the CEO messages. Or if you want to click on a wellness hashtag, you will see all the wellness messages. So this, I think, is a pretty ingenious way of using social language to create a truly meaningful conversation where common themes are evoked and people are talking about something in common and not about themselves. So sometimes when I present Tribal to a company, I say, this is kind of like a social network that's not about you as a person. It's a social network that's about the group and the common purpose, yet everybody can shine. So yes, Tribal Vision is to become this culture-building, culture-shaping tool that also in many ways replaces your traditional newsletter, uh, gives a great alternative to WhatsApp groups, that so many companies use in addition to Slack or Teams. And, you know, it's kind of like the antidote to digital fatigue, even though it is yet another app, but it is designed to be so simple and it is so easy to use that it feels almost native, like it's something we're born with. So this is what we're building. And in many ways, it is set up to become this type of a next generation social platform where companies, professional associations, my Harvard reunion is using it actually this summer. So I would say any group that's connected with a common purpose can use it to first collect stories, second, to amplify them, and third, to distribute them to the group. Wonderful. And we've started using it at Softer Success as well. And I have to say, it's a brilliant way of storytelling that works, you know, brings together the group in, you know, it's collaborative and that's the way forward. So when I said, you know, do you think that social media as we see it now will die out? I think it will, this individualistic social media may die out and we may have, as you say, it will evolve and we'll have different kind of platforms that will use that are more collaborative where we're working more towards same purpose and mission so that's wonderful so that's really revolutionary tell me also what other ideas do you have in terms of what a work reset revolution would look like to you well as a ceo you know i give a lot of thought to this because i want my company to be a different type of workplace we already are by the virtue of being distributed across the world and you know, working entirely remotely, but so many groups do. You know, I think that we need to teach leaders to become better role models and better storytellers. I think this is one of the most important things that groups like yours and people with your experience can do. Because I think that we live in the world where there's so many successful leaders who are actually not sharing their stories or have forgotten how to be vulnerable and authentic. So for me, one of the things that's really important is to teach leaders to be human and authentic in the workplace. Another one, I think, is to make wellness in the workplace almost mandatory. I really believe that it's, for me, for example, I sometimes, you know, really want to share my yoga practice because every day I do a 30-minute yoga practice and it's not 
long. I can't afford to take more time. I have a little girl. I'm a single mom. I'm always fundraising. I'm traveling. But I feel that I want to share this with my team and I want to share it with other leaders that I work with, not because I want to show how great I am doing yoga or meditating, but because I think that the storytelling is essential to reduce this anxiety and the sense of lost purpose that we're developing, you know? So the first thing I would do is wellness at work to make it more important than parties, than offsites, than to really establish something where employees have a gym on premises or they can go to a gym nearby to make sure that there is a regular yoga teacher and their lectures and there is a good nutrition approach. I think that wellness and longevity are such important subjects and we need to make them more democratic because this in the end is going to be a great investment into the power of our employees, into their capacity to deliver. So for me as a CEO, this is what's foremost on my mind. I see that as well. You know, I mean, 100%. We have to unlearn the unhealthy habits. So you're talking about nutrition and sports. It's not just that. It's I have so many conversations with, you know, clients that come to me to us that say, I just struggle to take, you know, the breaks throughout the day. And I'll say, well, it's not just you here. You know, sometimes we get sort of run on other people's schedules. We can take some control back, but it should absolutely be made mandatory by organizations you know that should be written into procedures you know that our value of people is the most important right and valuing of ourselves and if we don't look after ourselves properly in our company you know that has detrimental effects so I also see that as an absolute future way of working you know we're focusing fully on well-being and that's part of basically our job description (laughs) yeah and then, yeah. the storytelling. you know, I think also perhaps exposing mm. the employees more to, I mean, of course, there's many wonderful initiatives now, like if you take Ariana Huffington's Thrive and, you know, the ability to actually, they have created an app, you know, the experience through Zoom to meditate, to take a break for five minutes during the day. This is wonderful. These are beautiful, beautiful elements of knowledge. I think that sometimes as leaders, we consume a lot of interesting content, but we don't actually let it trickle down to our communities of employees. We talk to our friends about the great lifespan book I read or the great, you know, emotional intelligence book or something like that. But do we take time to talk to employees about those questions? Which is why I thought the CEO's example was so moving because he shared his personal wellness challenge with everybody. And that was very human. I think that if we could make libraries of learning content available to companies, that would make also a really big difference together with some kind of incentive to consume that content. You know, like I love Mind Valley, for example. I think it's a brilliant program. And I'm sure they will be delighted to be offered within companies. Perhaps they already are. I know that, you know, there's so many meditation apps that are also looking into being available within companies. So being able to create a library oasis of mindfulness, of lifelong learning, of personal growth, within an organization and saying that this is our essence and culture. I think it's very important. I have unfortunately also encountered quite a few chief people's officers and HR heads who are very overwhelmed and still do things in a very manual way. I'm going to meet that person. I'm going to meet that person. And they are missing out on the sliver of digital tools 
that could amplify what they're doing and help them do it a lot more efficiently, but also not leave out someone. Because if you're taking time individually to go meet with that person, and then you haven't met with that one, it's kind of sad. So I think that there are these trainings we could be doing to amplify the effect of HR within organizations where they are there kind of sitting almost like a television programmers and they're programming the matching of mentors and employees. They're programming, they're dispatching content that could be interesting to this person, to that person. So almost like like social media influencers, you know, sending messages saying, hey, I think this content will be good for you. I think this video will be great for you. And I would love to see that. I think it's very different from a human physical approach, Mm -hmm. but we are going towards hybrid and sometimes virtual workplace. And I think we need to learn those habits, not to make us more digital, but to make us more human, to help us actually manage these digital tools and not let them manage us. And then just one more thing that kind of drives me mad in the workplace is, of course, the proliferation of tools that drive digital fatigue. And I think it's really important to start asking yourself, like, is the CTO right or the CIO right to be imposing this new super duper, super sophisticated CRM or system that is going to be yet another pressure on us because it's complicated to use because it's a, I think we need to insist that Silicon Valley starts building simpler tools. You know, the reason with Strivo we only have three buttons is that it's my absolute belief that technology has to be transparent yeah. and that humanity has to come forward. But we need to make sure that there's a clear demand from companies saying, you know what, we are done using buggy products. We're done using products that have too many buttons, too many menus, too many. Or, or take too long. Exactly. That's one of the reasons we created our test, you know, the psychometric test to assess burnout is it's super quick. It's 90 seconds. It takes so people, you know, hardly any time and it gets them to the end result really quick. And, you know, nobody wants anything long or tedious or, you know, it wants to pinpoint them exactly where they need to go because otherwise it becomes a, a maze of too many things. So simple Simple, simple. I agree. Yeah. Natalia, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. We hope to see you soon. Thank you. I'm really, really happy to be here. And thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for listening to the Work Reset Revolution. I'd like to know what has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation. As a next step, share this episode with anyone that you think may benefit. Follow us on LinkedIn at Softer Success for more inspiration to change the way we work and contact us at info at to find out more about our burnout assessment tool. If you have any feedback on how to improve, please do reach out to me as I'm always keen to learn more. Thank you so much for listening and we'll meet again on the next episode of Work Reset Revolution. Music